Welcome to the Langolet Podcast with me, Yuhiji, where we ask ourselves important questions about the world we live in and try to answer them with the help of a book, movie, or a TV show selected by me every week. This week's work is the legendary Spike Lee's 2018 film, Black Klansman, featuring John David Washington, Adam Driver, and Topher Grace. And questions I would like to ask ourselves today are How, if at all, does the study of such works help me to better understand my 2021 world, as well as that of someone other than myself? And most importantly, why should such understanding matter to others? Today, I'm joined by Chikama later in the podcast to discuss and explore that question by focusing on the role our unconscious bias plays in racially motivated hate, as well as what presidential statements tell us about racism in this country. Black Klansman is a based on a true story film of the first African American detective in the Colorado Springs Police Department named Ron Stallworth, who goes undercover to expose the Ku Klux Klan alongside his psychic, Flip Zimmerman, a Jewish American detective. The film not only depicts Ron and Flip's infiltration into the notorious white supremacist group, but also the social tensions that exist between the white and black. Christians and Jews, as well as the people within the Black community itself, a trenchant analysis of the world we live in today. One of the connections we see between Black Klansmen and our 2021 world is the prevalence of hate crimes, one of the most extreme forms of racism. According to the Psychology of Hate Crime article from American Psychological Association, hate crime is a criminal offense against a person or property motivated in whole or part by an offender's bias against certain communities. Studying Black Klansmen has personally helped me understand my 2021 world as well as for others because it visually demonstrated what drives hate crimes and why they never disappear. In the ending montage from Black Klansmen, you hear people chanting, Jews will not replace us, at the Unite the Right rally in 2017. And David Duke, who once was a Grand Wizard of the KKK and is still alive today, says that the rally was the first step towards taking America back. It is evident in their use of words like replace and taking America back, as well as the hateful language and tone. That they feel that their livelihood or way of life is threatened by social and political change, often accompanied by demographic changes. As Yoda from Star Wars once wisely said, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. The scary thing about hate crimes is that they do not just injure or kill the victims. It also victimizes the members of those who belong in the same community as them, decreasing the feelings of security and belonging. The suffering spreads across communities like a virus. That is why FBI PSAs, like the one featuring Asian American law enforcement officers, are so important. It gives a little sense of security and belonging in the Asian American community. A community that is too often overlooked when it comes to discussing race in this country.
So you're probably wondering why is understanding hate crimes so important? I believe that the understanding of racism, hate crimes, and how our peers view the 2021 world should matter to us too, regardless of your background, because we must face the fact that racism is very much alive today. Racism has only become more sophisticated, and our indifference is enabling it. This is because at the root of racism and hate crimes, there is unconscious bias. Unconscious bias is the underlying attitudes and stereotypes that people unconsciously attribute to certain communities. We saw unconscious biases play out in the last scene of Black Klansman, when two police officers put a gun towards Ron Stallworth as he repeatedly shouts at them that he is a cop, but they do not initially listen to what he says. The scene reveals the unconscious bias of dehumanizing those that have a different appearance from us. If you've seen the movie, it's clear that Felix's wife is the one who should be arrested. But she is not initially seen by the police as apprehendable because she is a white woman and Ron Stallworth is a black man. This form of unconscious bias and prejudice could be considered as hateful violence the use of unnecessary and unfair excessive physical force that not only leads to physical pain, but also psychological pain. We have also seen implicit biases play out on TV, social media, and our everyday conversations. These kind of toxic biases are everywhere, and we don't even realize it, starting as early as early childhood. That is actually evidenced by Jane Elliott's Blue Eyes, Brown Eyes experiment. She is an educator from Iowa who purposefully segregated the class based on the student's eye color, assigning the brown-eyed children as more civilized than others. She conducted the experiment the day after MLK's um, assassination because she wanted her all-white third-grade class to understand what racism feels like. In a recent NPR interview, she said she watched and was horrified at what she saw. The children slowly started to see and treat each other very differently, making clear of the power of words and how it can brainwash us, aggravating hate that too often leads to violence, and for those who were ostracized, they learned to internalize it. The students started to internalize and accept the characteristics they had been arbitrarily assigned based on the color of their eyes, she said as in it's happening every day, in this country, right now. We are repeating the blue-eyed, brown-eyed exercise on a daily basis. Thankfully, in that Black Klansman scene, Flip comes along at the perfect timing and gets outraged at the cops for their treatment of Ron, making it clear that he works with him in the police force, just like the cops who try to shoot Ron. If Flip had not come in time, Ron could have been subjected to chokeholds and maybe murdered in the hands of the police in the broad daylight, just like George Floyd was, another one of many connections to our 2021 world. Watching Ronald Reagan's address at NAACP in 1981 
and now reading multiple statements issued by our past presidents last summer, I couldn't help but wonder why are we still talking about the same thing 40 years later? A lot has changed since Reagan was president, especially our debate surrounding race, but have we really made any progress? And if not, what's stopping us from doing so? Reagan says in his speech that there is a great deal to be gained when we take time to share our views, and that it must never stray far from our national commitment to battle against discrimination and increase our knowledge of each other. That is exactly how we unlearn implicit biases and pave the way for an equitable world. However, we cannot do this unless we include tough and realistic questions. As Reagan said later in the speech, and looking back at a long history of slavery, Jim Crow, redlining, and institutionalized racism that too often had been the plague, the original sins of our society, as Obama said in his statement after George Floyd's death. It was clear from watching Black Klansmen that the hate members of the Klan had towards people like Ron and Flip wasn't just random, but it was something that is very systemic. If we had truly faced the painful parts of our country's history and put effort into unlearning our unconscious biases by acknowledging and confronting head-on systemic racism and the racial disparities that exist in policing and our criminal justice system, as President Biden said in his speech after the Derek Chauvin verdict, we wouldn't be hearing past presidents re releasing statements on racism, hate crimes, and police brutality. To further explore all of this, and now we'll be talking to Chikama, discussing how, if at all, the study of Black Klansmen, as well as the works related to the themes found in that film, help us to understand our 2021 world and why such understanding should matter to others. Without further ado, here is our conversation. Hi Chikama, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for inviting me here. So I want to start with the first question. How do you think the presidential speeches of the past I mentioned before in the episode deal with the idea of asking ourselves tough questions on racism and unconscious bias? Or as the Clintons put it in their statement, unspoken assumption. Why is it so easier said than done and what do you think we can do about it? You know, I think the, the presidents really tried to call attention to the injustices going on in the black community. But I feel as if the person, the president at least, who tried, who in his response talked a little bit more about unconscious bias was President Clinton. And when he said, we need to see each other as equally deserving of life, liberty, respect, dignity, and the presumption of innocence. I think in that statement, he was basically talking about unconscious bias because he was addressing how you know, a person can just see a black person walking, minding their own business, and their automatic assumption, though they may not know it at first, is that person is up to no good, which I think is what happened in the George Floyd situation mm -hmm. where the cops saw him. And even though he was already, like, he was no, he wasn't a threat 
you know. Mm-hmm. But they, they continue to think, no, this guy is out to get me in some way at least. So I feel as if, you know, unconscious bias, it really is dangerous because it can escalate as quickly and mm-hmm. as fatally as it did with George Floyd. Right. Or it can even just be the small little aggressions that people say towards you or they treat you. And it's unknowing, but it's, it's still very harmful. Mm-hmm. I particularly like thought it was like really interesting how um, Jane Elliott said in her like NPR interview, she said that people of like other color groups seem to understand, she said, probably because they have been taught how they're treated in this country, that they have to understand us and by us, she means the white people and white people on the other hand don't have to understand them we have to let people find out how it feels to be on the receiving end of what we dish out so readily and i think like she summarized like like implicit bias very well here and it's really something that is like hard to get rid of when you're like on this side that is always kind of like judging people by your own biases Mm-hmm. I agree with that. And I also think it was um, actually very important when she did the brown-eyed, blue-eyed uh, experiments and how she said that she saw the children like become her and she saw, she realized then when she saw the way that the children were behaving, her own biases. And I feel as if that's really, really revealing because they don't know it until they see it, they see it happening because, mm-hmm. you know, you really can't see what you're doing or the effect it has on other people. So I think that was very important that she was able to understand her the importance of how she treats people and decided to spend her life uh, dedicated to fixing that in other people as well as herself. That is true. And sort of like moving on to the next question, um, I personally found the parallels between the Black Klansmen and our 2021 world quite sort of like for the lack of a better word, quite uncanny. Like, for example, the tensions between Ron and his peers, especially Flip, who is Jewish American, and Patrice, who is also another um, African American character in the story, but sort of have like a very different view towards police, for instance, and as well as the hateful violence that like undermines our constitution in various ways from what the KKK did in the movie, but also what we've seen on the news the past four years and even more. And how do you think like unconscious bias has played a role in those events? Yeah, I think I think it played a huge role. And in um, going back to Black Klansmen for a moment, I feel as if um, like a really good prime example of how unconscious bias was displayed in that movie was with the. Uh, I believe he was like the captain or the chief. And with his treatment of Ron, of course, you know, he could say, oh, I feel as if this is something that happens still now. We're like, oh, I'm not racist, I have a black friend. And it feels as if he can make the argument, I'm not racist, I have a black officer. Right. But in the way he treated Ron in the very beginning when he put him down into the records room, other than in another room, one can argue and say, it's because Ron is new, but also another person could say, no, it's because he was black. Because if he got a new white officer, Who's to say he would have put him in that records room as well? And you know, he it was like little stuff like that, and and even him like um, disregarding Ron's wishes. 
and you know these things just build up and and it, unconscious bias manifests in the way that we treat each other and, and the actions so i felt as if that was really good example and even in uh, real life with uh with the um charlottesville mm-hmm. uh, what happened you know it was kind of really it's kind of really uh, like a personal thing to me because um, my sister actually goes to UVA wow, and she okay. went to campus. She mm-hmm. went to campus like a few weeks after, you know, for the first time, um, a few weeks after that whole thing happened. So you know, it, it really could be any one of us that could be the subject and the victim of unconscious biases mm-hmm. that really turn into violence with the way that that terrible white supremacists decided to right. just run over those people mm-hmm. and you know he could he could argue that oh it's because they're wreaking havoc or whatever but we we both know everyone can tell that it's because of the hate and how he was raised and what he learned was right and was brought up in that led him to that moment of hurting those people and even all those white supremacists marching. It was how they were brought up and and what they think is right. And that, and that, that plays a huge part of uh, unconscious biases. <laughs> I agree. Um, yeah, I, especially with the um, Black Klansman part that you were talking about, I actually didn't really... I, I did sort of watch the whole movie, but I was only able to watch like not too much of the first half so i never actually paid too much attention to the part where um ron was sent to the storage room instead of actually like working on the streets and like i thought what you said was really interesting because for like this like choice board thing i focused more on the part where um this police officer came after ron instead of felix's um wife when Mm -hmm. I think it was him who called the police. I don't remember, but um, yeah, it was him. Actually. Yeah, and when I actually like saw that played out, I was like, "This is what we've been like seeing on like TV." And there was like even cases like I don't know last week and like all these like you know different like video camera footages that are being released. And I was like, "This is like exactly what we've been seeing like." right now and especially for um ron like obviously like back in the day they obviously didn't have like any like body cameras or anything that could like prove that their unconscious bias is like wrong so just thinking about like you know how much like we've come from 60s 70s and today like just thinking about that is really um for the lack of a better word like really i'm not sure if thought-provoking is the right word because it sounds a little too positive but like it really makes you think about like the situation that we're living in and how it's like almost like normalized you know like we feel pretty numb about it and i actually would like to tell a little story about um something that happened to me last year mm-hmm. in, in terms of unconscious bias. And it, it, um, I was reminded of it when I watched the video of those little children and they started pointing to, oh, 
point to the ugly child and they kept pointing to the darker skin or point to the pretty child they kept pointing to the lighter skin person mm -hmm. and that reminded me of something that happened um earlier junior year to me and i was talking to my white friend and i was telling her because we were just talking you know summer and everything i was talking about how um whenever i get tanned in the summer my tan doesn't go away until like midwinter because that's i don't know that's just how my body works and then she told me oh you should use dove soap so you can lighten your skin so you can get lighter and i was really surprised by that because i was like i started thinking to myself what did i say about me getting darker would make her think that i wanted to get lighter and why is that a negative thing when it comes to me but she was just talking about how much she wanted to get it how she got a nice tan this summer but when i get tanner it's a, it's a terrible and has a negative connotation. So that was really something I was like, of course she didn't understand what she did wrong. And I was just like, oh, okay. I mean, I already used up soap. Like it just it didn't make any sense how mm -hmm. me saying that she thought I was complaining when I was talking about my skin getting darker because dark has such a negative connotation and it's internalized. Yeah. So in her unconscious bias, she really insulted me, but it's, it's just something to that I think about and it stuck with me because these she wouldn't know what she was doing wrong unless I told her but mm -hmm. I didn't want to tell her right. that it was wrong because of I don't know my my fear or mm -hmm. I don't know it's just it's something weird to confront to say what you said was wrong but what can you say is wrong about it mm -hmm. I don't know yeah that's like a perfect example of like you know unconscious bias and Thank you so much for sharing that yeah. story because there, I mean, there is sort of like, not to go like off track, but there is sort of like this beauty culture in Asia as well, where like being white is like better than having like tan skin. Mm -hmm. And especially like in a lot of like Asian countries, it's better to have like whiter skin because like having a darker skin and, and your tan sort of like means that you're kind of like part of like the working class and like you're working more like in the fields and having a pretty you know low wage unstable job where it's like whether you have like a whiter skin that means like you have a lot more like money to spend like things on like makeup and also like working more like so cool like ideal stable jobs where you're like in the city and possibly being seen by other people so i think like that like implicit bias in terms of like dark skin tan skin is like really interesting because although it's like a really different context there is sort of like this common bias that is found in different cultures around the world yeah but i think the one thing that remains true yeah. is being lighter is seen as uh, more uh, favorable in mm -hmm. the public. And that's something I feel as if, as our country and our society gets more progressed, mm -hmm. that maybe it can start to change. Yeah, I really hope so as well. And finally, I want to ask you the key question of the episode. How did the study of Black Klansmen, as well as non-literary texts, help you to understand your 2021 world as well as that of someone other than yourself and most importantly why do you think such understanding should matter to other people well this this movie is kind of really eye-opening for me because my whole life i've always kind of felt like a disconnect from the black community because 
my parents are immigrants and they came to this country like 20 years ago mm-hmm. so I always knew where my family is from and I always wasn't raised with like knowing that oh my ancestors who came before me who are from this country they they went through all these terrible things and I was and I was sheltered in a way because even when I you know I was born and I lived most of my life in the Bronx but I, I went to a private school so it was not as if I even I even saw what was going on to the black community there. And then mm-hmm. I went to, I lived in the suburbs and all these things. So I feel as if in seeing, in seeing the treatment of black people head on and the use of the derogatory language and how literally just for being black, people that look like me were, were harmed. Mm-hmm. It was, it was really like, um, it was, it was very, interesting to see because it's not something I grew up understanding and even and even in 2020 when seeing all these people getting killed it was just it was it was really me understanding what I've heard my friends talk about in the past about how you know their mothers would have to tell their brothers to be careful when they're going out and I just didn't understand I'm like well why would they have to be careful what's going on oh protect and serve but then sometimes it's it's not protect and serve. Sometimes it's cause harm. So that's that's what this movie really did to me because it, it really it it showed me how far this goes back, even hundreds and hundreds of years, and even fifty years ago, and even still, how people need to they're always on the defense in going out, and and that's what that movie did for me. And and in reference to other people, how it made me feel them. Cause now I understand how it makes me feel. You know, I see these things going on and I mourn with my community and I cry with them and, and I feel with my community, but then seeing what's going on in the in the Asian American community, like what happened recently where, of course, with the targeting and the killing and the fetishization and, and how that affected them. And, you know, also with the Latino community, how they're also getting targeted and killed and, 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 and it, these things just keep adding up and adding up. So I feel as if since I understand the pain that it, it causes me to see my, my community in distress, I can understand and I, I can feel how it feels for the Asian American community to see their people getting hurt and distressed because it's it's the same it's the same pain so it that movie really helped me understand what it would be like for another person watching what's happening to the black community and that's how i'd feel when i'm watching what's happening to the asian american community or just any other marginalized um, group of people in this country and the way they're treated by society and what we think what we we have tolerated in the past and what i feel we cannot we can no longer tolerate anymore Mm-hmm. It was really interesting hearing what you were saying because I can kind of like relate to the part where you sort of feel a little distant like from the people of like same ethnicity in their like technically your own community because I'm not American, I'm Japanese by nationality so as much as I can sort of like Um, sympathize with a lot of the things that the Asian American community is going through because I pretty much spent my life living in a predominantly white and wealthy neighborhoods there are sometimes things that like I can't really understand in their community because my parents are not immigrants Mm -hmm. sometimes I've also felt really distant from what my community is going through, but then 
again, especially when it comes to this kind of um, hateful violence, I like learning about this whole like hate that is going on in this country towards Asian Americans right now because of COVID and um, the, the context that caused this um, issue to happen, I really feel like it's sort of not really about like whether you're an American or not, or whether you're an immigrant or not, but it feels more like, it's just like your like community in general. And mm -hmm. yeah, I can really, really relate to what you said. And also it was opposite for me in the sense that like Black Klansmen and other texts I've read really helped me to understand what the Black community has gone through the past few years and even going back further in the past because like until I learned about Black Lives Matter last year around this time I had like no knowledge of like what the African-American community has gone through and the fact that racism like still really exists and you can be like found pretty much like everywhere from like not just like in conscious bias but also as Obama said in his um statement after George Floyd's death how like things like redlining and institutionalized racism and Jim Crow and everything and it was really eye-opening and also like as you said I feel like as this problem just keeps going like piled up and piled up I really feel like this movie and there the text that I've read have helped me understand that the core of the problem is the same for all marginalized communities not just like in terms of race like you know black Asian Latino but also for the LGBTQ community Jewish community as well and I feel like that problem at the core is really um, unconscious by itself and indifference in general. Yeah, I, I really kind of agree more. It's, I feel as if the more we educate, the more we raise up the following generations and understanding that all of our differences is what makes us beautiful, not just as a country, but as a world. Mm -hmm. And all those little things that make us special really enriches our lives. And rather than fear it, rather than fear the black person walking down the street, you should embrace them and, and uh, rejoice at the diversity and the differences you see in the world. Mm -hmm. And once that starts to happen, then a lot of those unconscious biases will start to go away, I believe. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for joining me today. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Yuhi Jia. Thank you for listening to the Lang and Live podcast, and be sure to join me next week as well. Have a wonderful day!